1: What football folks is doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got. Brainy. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful with slinging stuff. Am I gonna get sued?
0: legal on this? I yeah, like football, like football season, all the things that go with it.
1: Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live here on YouTube, breaking down all things Week 17 in the NFL. This used to be it for us, Sam. Mm. They make us work an extra week now. Final week of the season? Nope. No. Got one more. It's a grind. Not gonna lie, it's a grind. An 18-game schedule. It's a grind for all of us. But uh, we're here. We're here to do it. Because we love it. Did I sell that well? Mm-hmm. Water. Okay. Great. Well, uh, it's you know, New Year's weekend, got a lot of excitement, college football playoff, and a full 16-game slate. Let's go. To discuss. Um, some games are more meaningful than others. Just putting that out there. Yeah. We're going to talk about some more than others, in part because things like Thursday Night Football, where you know the Titans don't have anybody playing.
0: And we already covered that.
1: And we already did. With John Anik. We did. The great John Anik. Um, so we did that yesterday. John Anik was on the show yesterday of uh, UFC fame. But a uh, huge football fan, great insight. Yesterday?
0: Yep, on yeah, all man. sorts of things. On fun. football, on how to uh, do ad reads. Great ad read advice, yeah. On Joe Rogan's entourage. Yeah. Security detail. You don't have a security detail. He doesn't no, no. have a security detail, I don't think.
1: I mean, you were asking him, what's it like being with someone so famous? And I'm yeah. like, you, you should know. You. Yeah. I think you're quite a uh, you Joe You know thing. it's not easy walking around with me, all the people that Yeah, Well, that's more of a freak me. show thing
0: than a fame thing. I mean... on on like a you know we we were talking about this as levels you know with you and me being at a pretty low level the john annex of the world where do you think chris stands next to joe rogan in the fame landscape oh it's still pretty low unless you're in cincinnati right if you're in cincinnati everybody's like
1: everybody knows chris yeah outside of cincinnati it's a little bit less (laughs) but yeah rogan's Clearly in a different world. <laughs> it's just a different level. Yeah. Stupid face. Does Chris want to go take a picture with Rogan? Does Rogan want to go take... Rogan doesn't know who Chris is.
0: No, not a clue. He's got no idea. Right. But, uh, yeah. I think Chris Chris must know who Rogan is, right? I would assume. I mean, he's he's, he's in with the uh, with all the, you know... I got the squeaky chair. The what cultural zeitgeist stuff. He's got his finger on the pulse. I made a he's mistake. He's where the kids are. Oh, yeah, Chris knows. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I made a mistake. I, I grabbed the squeaky chair. Yeah? From... From the extra chairs. Uh-huh. And I need to switch it. That's a rough... Uh, so when you do a... A rough error. When we get a solo
0: shot on you, I'm going to run over and switch it, just so you know. There's not a chance in hell you can achieve that in the time frame required. I'm pretty nimble. Without smashing half the studio.
1: All right, so uh, you took Tennessee. I took Dallas. Yep. Uh, as did Harry. I did confirm with him this oh. morning. Harry went 9-7 and seven last week. We got his picks again for this week. I still feel like that's cheating. Whatever, man. You put asterisk next to it. We got some... We got some other guesses here. You're too.
0: saying you're too better off Last or well more this week than he would have been last week. It's like I'm cheating
1: with the Costanza thing. Let's get let's get to it. We got a lot of games to talk about. The biggest game of the week: Buffalo Bills at the Cincinnati Bengals. It's right here in our home. Monday Night Football. Cincinnati getting one point. So Buffalo's favorite here on the road. Obviously, it's it's as, as close to a pick'em as you can get, and a lot of implications here Buffalo currently has the number one seed they're 12 and 3 Kansas City Chiefs fans watching this one closely because their best path to getting the number one seed would be the Bengals winning this game and then Kansas City would just have to win out against Denver and Jarrett Stidham's Raiders yeah Um, so a lot of implications here Bills and Bengals
0: yeah game of the week arguably game of the year arguably the best game that Monday Night Football has ever seen in terms of the two teams uh, entering Monday Night Football, obviously the Bills have been one of the number one favorites of the AFC throughout the season, and uh, Cincinnati's running right up there to join them. There you go. Look at that. A chair nice switch, kid. like nobody, nobody even noticed. Didn't notice anything. Yeah. No, smooth. Um, I was almost.
1: I was gonna run across the camera to make it. You
0: know. Yeah, perfect. A little funnier. But uh, yeah, like this should be an outstanding game. It should be a, a potential playoff preview a potential AFC title preview depending on how that all works out it's obviously two teams still fighting for that number one seed and the Bengals we said this weeks ago right the run they were gonna have was gonna tell us more about Cincinnati than any other team entering the playoffs they are gonna face a gauntlet of everybody and this is the latest example this is the first Joe Burrow Josh Allen matchup right
1: I Uh, believe it I know they didn't play last year and they did not play in 2020 so that's what's, this is, like, There's so many fascinating storylines here because we, I think a lot of people agree, okay, when you're listing the top three quarterbacks in the NFL right now, you're going to go with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. They're all in that conversation. We've seen a ton of those other matchups. We've seen Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen every single year, sometimes twice a year. We've now seen Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes three different times. We've never had the Burrow-Allen matchup. We were, and we were 12 seconds away from having it in the AFC Championship last year in Buffalo. So mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming we're going to see much more of the, you know, Bills and Bengals playing in the coming years, but it's like, it's the kickoff to um, this trifecta of a rivalry in the AFC here. And Burroughs, Bengals, 3-0 and against Mahomes, they have been just unbelievable in big games, right? Across the Super Bowl run, every time they've had to go up against the Chiefs, can they keep that up? Against the Bills, the team that everybody expected to be in the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season.
0: So Burrow, is, uh, Burrow becomes Roethlisberger to Mahomes and Allens, Brady and, and Manning? Is that we need the third guy to insert himself into this? No, that's not battle fair.
1: Every year? <clears throat> that's not fair to Burrow. No? No, because I think there's still open dialogue as to who the. I, I would say Mahomes is number one. Who's number two among quarterbacks? Uh huh. There was never a question if Ben Roethlisberger was at Brady or Manning's level, so I don't think that's fair. This is this is like Elway, Montana, Marino, but all in the same conference, hmm. don't you think? Yeah. I know, you know the, the Elway detractors are going to come out and say he was like this, you know, average dude or something, but th- I mean, it really is like Bur- Burrow's not a second tier, second class citizen here. He was our highest graded quarterback last year. He outgraded both of these guys, and he's right up there in the mix with, with
0: all of them this year. I think he's jumped to the highest grade passing rate now. After is last he number week. one now too? Yeah. I he's mean, behind he... overall, but passer, he's now number one again. Yep, he is.
1: So right now, Patrick Mahomes, 91.3 overall. Joe Burrows, number two at 90.8 overall. Josh Allen, number three at 90.4 overall. Um, we've talked a lot about the reliance on Josh Allen in the run game. He's got the 92.8 rushing grade. We know you know, QB sweeps and key scrambles and all that stuff. Josh Allen's going to have the ball in his hands. Um, the thing that you have harped on every single week, though, can Josh Allen stop throwing, putting the ball in harm's way? Mm-hmm. Another year. So the, the touchdown-to-interception ratio looks fine. 32 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. But Allen has a league-high 29 turnover-worthy plays. And from a percentage standpoint, it's also not much better I mean it's it's the it's tied for the third highest uh worse than Justin Fields Matt Ryan Joe Flacco in his limited time Marcus Mariota forget the interception totals for a minute Allen has put the ball in harm's way to me that's going to be one of the big stories of the game right because you can't lose possessions against this Bengals team and then um the Bengals defense man a big part of their success as much as we always talk about their offense. Lou Anarumo and what he does on the defensive side of the ball especially in the second half especially when making these adjustments right the famous we're going to rush three against Patrick Mahomes in the second half and shut them down what kind of adjustments does this Bengals defense come up with against Josh Allen they might give up a little bit early on but do they end up adjusting those mid-game adjustments that the the Bengals have made defensively have been really good these last couple years
0: the other key to the game um, is going to be what that Bengals' offensive line looks like without Lyle Collins at right tackle. Yes. Collins wasn't actually playing that well. Like, in particular, as a pass blocker this season. Far from his best year. Um, Very good as a run blocker, but pass protection was an issue. But we know that he's significantly better than, you know, Hakeem Adeniji or anybody else that they're going to try and play at right tackle. So, do they have a game plan for that, or are they going to go out with just a known weakness at right tackle and... You know, Buffalo's pass rush isn't what it was earlier in the season when they had Von Miller and they had arguably the best pass rush in the NFL. But a guy like Gregory Rousseau is still good enough to cause problems for a backup right tackle, which is what the Bengals are basically going to be dealing with. So that whole dynamic, not just for this week, but this week I think is the first test. And then for Cincinnati going forward, to me, you know, they're going to have to go into a game, every game, where the offensive game plan is essentially predicated on what can we do to help the right tackle? Which, it's doable. It's not like they haven't done it before, and you 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 can do that every game, but it does sort of restrict you a little bit. Like, you can't run everything because every single play you have to look at through the lens of what does this do to the right tackle's assignment on this play.
1: Yeah, specifically with the Bengals, Mitchell Wilcox has become just like a, you know, five, six-yard check down type of option, uh, along with Hayden Hurst, a tight end. Hayden should be back this week the tight ends would be the guys that you would expect to maybe give a little extra help. If you take them out of the pattern, it just puts a little bit more pressure on, on Burrow to, to force the ball to those receivers. You get another one of those, uh, Jamar Chase, first time first time seeing him for the Buffalo Bills. Mm. Get one of those storylines. Tredavious White. Tredavious White. So, I mean, there's so many good matchups here. Absolutely love it. Um, Where, anything else you are looking for in this game or what are your, what are your thoughts on the pick here.
0: Yeah, I mean generally I'm interested in how the Buffalo defense does against this Bengals offense which has been very good and has shown they're willing to go anywhere they need to with the football. It's not just Jamar Chase anymore. Um I I'm kind of liking the Bengals in this run they're on. Um and I think at some point it's not that Josh Allen hasn't been punished for a lot of his turnover worthy plays, but I think the Cincinnati defense is good enough that you can't give them that number of chances. So, yeah, I'm go with i like the Bengals. It's gonna. Yeah,
1: I would probably lean Bengals here too. Harry's taking the Bengals. He's taking the hometown Bengals to uh, as the one point underdogs here. But again, that's basically a pick'em. Um, I'm looking at the PFF app right now. They don't like anything basically except the over. Forty nine and a half is the over. I, I do think we end up getting into a shootout type of situation, right? I mean, if if we're talking about the Burrow, Mahomes, Allen trifecta, we've seen we've seen shootouts obviously with the Bills and the Chiefs. To, does does Burrow throw his name in that in that ring right and you know end up with some sort of like 30 to 27 type of game that'd be fun
0: we got a uh, breaking news for the Thursday night game that we've already covered and made picks on um, the Titans are benching Malik Willis and we'll be starting Josh Dobbs instead wow does that change really? anything for you We <laughs> me call Harry real quick <laughs> Yeah, How are you? Harry's going with Dallas covering. let me see I've I'll gone with text. Tennessee I don't I don't know that it changes anything for me.
1: Ask Harry if uh, the Titans quarterback being benched will change his pick.
0: Hmm.
1: Thanks. There we go. Voice voice to text is definitely the best way to do it.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What about Steve, the, uh, in theory, NFL expert here?
1: I mean, honestly, it might actually give the Titans a better chance. I think Dobbs will run the offense better than what we've seen from Malik Willis. I saw some stat. Willis one of like three quarterbacks in history to have fewer than 100 passing yards in his first three starts and so everything that we thought that Willis would bring to the table which was a little bit of rushing ability some big time throws they haven't didn't it feel
0: like they didn't really tap in to him as a runner it was almost like watching Justin Fields with the Bears offense before they went hang on why don't we make the running part actually useful it was just here run the offense yeah I don't know I don't know why they. every now and again they broke out an option play and it worked yeah, so I don't know why Why, why is that not like, okay, clearly he's not a very good passer right now. Why are you not basically running the option as yeah. an offense?
1: <laughs> and that, in their situation's different from what I was pushing for with the fields last week. around like, oh, I see. Hey. Now it's different. Because they're playing for something. Mm-hmm. They're playing for playoffs, you know, spots here. So they're not sitting there. Like, they're not worried about Malik Willis's long-term development. They need to win now. The Bears are worried about long-term development. So, uh, yeah, I think... Dobbs has had some success as a backup. It's like a rocket scientist or whatever he is. So that's good. All right, so you're taking Cincinnati? Yeah. Um, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not going back and forth here. I think Harry's going to stick with Dallas. <laughs> Almost certainly, right? He would, Okay. he's a big, he's a big fan of the favorites. Anyway, mm. check out the PFF app like I have. Download it right now. You get all your smart bets, right? So you go through there and it gives you A, B, C, and D. And so, like I said, Bills, Bengals, a lot of Ds and Fs when it comes to should you be looking at these lines. But the over-under, you got a B for that over, 49.5. So, it kind of directs you in the, uh, to the right path, the places where you want to go with your smart bets. A lot of fantasy, Sam content, and the whole deal. So, go check out the PFF app right now. All right, another one of the games of the week, Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we, we show no respect for the Vikings, Sam, because we put this line at 3.5. We. Packers' favorite. Yeah, it's all us. No, oh. It's all us. I don't remember doing that. No. no respect for the Vikings. Vikings, three and a half point underdogs at Green Bay. Remember, they played way back in week one, 23 to seven. Minnesota won at home the first game of the Kevin O'Connell
0: era. Hmm. I just, it, isn't that, it's just a fascinating line. I mean, whatever about how potentially fraudulent or otherwise Minnesota is, they're, what, 12 and three. Um, they keep pulling these games out of the fire. And Green Bay, sure, they've gone on a run and they've hauled themselves back into playoff contention. But like, it's, they're still not exactly playing amazingly, are they? Green Bay? Yeah. I
1: think they're better, again, over the last four or five weeks. I think there's – I don't know how you weigh this, right? If you look at the Packers' defense the last two weeks, they really handled the Rams with Baker Mayfield under center. The, right. The Rams' second string, basically. Yes. Second string that also went out there and scored 44 points on offense on Sunday, plus a pick six. Um, So that's a new data point. And then in the second half against Miami, they have three interceptions against Tua. The new data point that we have there is he was concussed Mm. during that entire time. Right. They were also getting a little, getting beat up on the ground, as they have for a while, and they gave up a slew of big plays.
0: So you look at their run. They've won four of the last six. Um win. It started with a win against Dallas, okay? We got losses to Tennessee and Philadelphia. They then beat the Chicago Bears in what was a close game before they uh, pulled away at the end. Then the Rams second string, and then a concussed Tua, where they were losing for a big period of that game until Tua decided to start throwing the ball to them, repeatedly. Um, okay, is that like the kind of resume that would make you go, yeah, they should be favorites over the 12-3 and Minnesota Vikings? Do you want to do minnesota's resume well minnesota's resume defies explanation because they're 12 and 3 with 11 one score wins um with the lowest points differential of any 12 and 3 team in nfl history by a mile and somehow keep coming out with these absurd game endings like i don't even it's it just defies any kind of analysis not even over or underrated just batshit crazy right exactly right but that like okay that's why i can see why you would sort of equalize them a little bit not why you would go yeah green bay three and a half point favorites i mean there. look if you if you did take the records out of
1: it and just looked at the underlying fundamentals is there a big difference between these two teams how they're
0: playing and the whole deal i mean there's not a big difference but my question would be what is it to suggest that green bay is better home field advantage Home field advantage. That's just being in Green Bay. Just being in Green Bay. That's, I
1: mean, I I assume that, I mean, that's it, right? Three and a half points. That's pretty much it. Look, I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I always wonder about division matchups, right? The fact that Minnesota really did a nice job defensively. Remember, this was the game Christian Watson was at the first throw of the season. Aaron Rodgers hits him in stride down the field. He drops it.
0: Um, That's another, uh, that was another play by uh, the Patrick Peterson, who wants to be an All-Pro, you know, He's 0 for one. It his coverage. Yes, I'm just saying that we, we, you know, you think a little bit, you can, you can think. He can't some... fool you, Mister All-Pro voter. He cannot <laughs> fool you. You know these plays. You can think of some plays where Patrick you Peterson know.
1: got beat pretty bad. I'm just, uh, you know, outside of that play, the the Vikings did do a really nice job defensively, right, slowing down the Packers. Is that a trend, right? Is that going to be? Is that something that they have on this Packers offense, or is that that was that was ages ago? That was that was way back on September 11th of the of, of this year. And, and again, I, I think Watson's emergence, it has changed this Packers offense and what they're capable of.
0: That has. And then the other really big difference between this time and the last time is no Jair Alexander in the first matchup, right? True. So now, you get to see, all right, how does Green Bay try and stop the unstoppable Justin Jefferson? Do they deploy Jair Alexander on him one-on-one? You know Jair is going to be campaigning for that. Do they... You know, try and take him away by other means and does anything they do work because nothing pretty much anybody else has done has managed to work against Justin Jefferson so that to me is the most interesting dynamic in all of this you know Jefferson is on his way potentially to an unprecedented season a year after the last unprecedented season in this offense Um, he doesn't need an awful lot to set the NFL record in both catches and yards in the extra game Um, and you know this is this is a game that Green Bay is going to try and stop that happening. Should Justin Jefferson be in? Jeez, what? Justin Jefferson be in the MVP conversation? (sighs) Look, I mean, I tweeted about this yesterday. As long as value valuable is going to be in the MVP name, it's a quarterback award. It just is. The quarterbacks are too valuable to the way the game works, and Justin Jefferson and the Vikings make it really difficult from a case study standpoint because 11 one score games so you can argue that on an individual game basis like Justin Jefferson is absolutely the difference between winning and losing in a bunch of these games on the other hand you can say exactly the same thing for Kirk Cousins as well like Cousins has what eight game winning drives or something stupid so how do you unlink those two like which one is driving that is it Jefferson is it Cousins like I I think at at a default starting point we know the quarterback drives all of this you know across the board so as long as we we fixate on value for for the mvp it's a quarterback award which means no jefferson doesn't get it um aaron Rodgers missed practice with a new
1: injury knee injury so he had right thumb and knee injuries missed practice on wednesday i'm assuming he's gonna go he's played through a bunch this year i don't know what the knee injury is but see how much that affects him I don't I don't know if the injuries have really affected him much this year I mean he's missed a few more throws had a few more interceptions than he has in the past but I think the the difference in production this year is as much losing Devontae Adams losing that uh, reliable piece that you can go to 15 times a game if you want to I mean that's probably just the difference in all of this there's still uh, some schemed up open throws and everything I, I think they've again I repeated myself a million times I think they've really found their footing in the last four five six weeks with Watson early in the year it was very uneven as far as like low it was a it was a bunch of low percentage downfield throws and horizontal passes and, and it's not as forced anymore so I, I think Green Bay is going to have some success on offense assuming Rogers is healthy enough I think it'll be a good back and forth game. Then it'll just come down to uh, fourth quarter magic. And I think you have to say that's uh, that's Kirk Cousins' realm now. Is there any this season? It's Kirk Cousins' realm. Yeah, over Aaron Rodgers. So three and a half points. Is that too much?
0: Yeah. um Harry thinks it is. I mean, these games always feel like they're a field goal type of coin flip. I, I don't see a massive difference between these two teams. I think it's going to come down to a very close game at the end. At which point. You know, take the team that's being given three and a half points. If you could just get the uh, the Kirk
1: Cousins people out of my mentions, I do what I do, mute them all. They're coming through
0: my mentions to get to you. I haven't seen one of them in the last several days. Oh, well, not good, a one. Good muting. That's how good a job I've done of muting and/or blocking everybody that's come into my mentions for the last several weeks. All right, Sam and Harry are both taking the Vikings. Uh, Packers pretty much have to
1: win out here to get into the playoffs they have to they have two home games this week against the Vikings next week against the Lions huge implications there Vikings still battling for that number two seed in the NFC trying to hold off the San Francisco 49ers all right where are we going next click around to the wrong sheet here the Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Bucks. The NFC South is on the line the Bucks are favored by three they haven't covered in I don't know ever Got like the worst record against the spread this year. Uh, Bucks are up a game on the Panthers. But if the Panthers win, they'll be tied both with a 7-9 and nine record. Yeah, and the, and the Panthers will have the tiebreaker. And that'll pretty much be it. it what will happen is the Panthers will have a win-and-in situation the following week against the Saints. So this one doesn't completely uh, lock up the NFC South unless the Bucks win. But if the Panthers win, it puts them in the driver's seat for the NFC South. They, uh, the Bucks have led the NFC South every single week this year, right? No, no, they fell out of first place at some point. But the Panthers have an opportunity here. And uh, Sam Darnold's playing pretty well.
0: The Saints, uh, the Saints, who presumably can get themselves back into the conversation with that final game win, right? Because they'd be tied. Carolina has a tiebreaker. I don't know what the second tiebreaker no, is. Because the Saints
1: can't get past the Bucks. They can't get past the Bucks. Right. So if they're all seven and nine, if they're both seven and nine, the Bucks have the tiebreaker over the Saints. What a miserable division. It's a Panthers Bucks world here, man. Yeah. So yeah, let's see. But the Saints aren't officially eliminated. Saints are six and nine. They. No, but they could be. Yeah, you're right. They could be eight and nine, and the Bucks
0: could be seven and ten, technically. Yeah. So, yeah, Saints are still alive. What, what an incredible division. It is. We are talking about various scenarios involving losing records to win the division and take the number four seed yeah. in the NFC. The Bucs are the only team that can have a winning record in, <laughs> in this division. And based off everything we've seen from them so far this season, they won't.
1: All they have to do is beat the Panthers and the Falcons. Yeah. The next two weeks. Yeah. huh So, that's where we are, man. Um, Sam Tarnall's playing playing pretty good ball, I have to say. I, I want to go back and do some uh, some AB analysis. I haven't done this yet. Looked at some of his throws from previous years versus this year, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but it does seem like he's a little more athletic, has a little bit more zip on the ball. Had a little zone keeper for a touchdown last week,
0: where he, you know it just looks faster. He just looks better overall, mm. athletically. He's coming into his own. Yeah, I do question what happens when they're not running for 320 yards in a game. You know, yeah, does like, it go away? all of a sudden does the offense look a little bit worse if, if Tampa Bay decides to show up and actually maintain gap integrity up front and, you know, 25-yard runs become 2.5-yard runs. What does that do to the offensive uh, efficiency and the groove that the quarterback feels like he's in? Well, Tampa Bay's run defense has been hit or miss
1: yeah. this year. Um, and, it, and it hasn't been one of those when they have Vita Vea, they're good. When they don't have Vita Vea, they're, they're not good. Even when he's been in there, it hasn't been great. He's questionable. He's been banged up these last couple of weeks. Um, Akeem Hicks has been in and out of the lineup throughout the year. They've had a little bit of turnover there, but there are some games where the Bucks are absolutely gashed, and then other times it looks like they're going to – they turn back the clock to the last couple of years where they were very difficult to run on. So, I mean, that really might determine the game here. If the Bucks load up the box and say, okay, we're not letting last week happen. We're stopping the run. We're going to make Sam Darnold beat us. And then it comes down to – um you know like dj moore making plays against also a banged up secondary carlton davis is is questionable and uh jamel dean also questionable so the two starting corners hurting for the box so a lot of that's going to determine this game i think
0: they're giving up a 4.5 yards per carry on average on the ground um 1.4 yards before contact on average on the ground these are all like basically bang average numbers yep but as you said It's very week-to-week. Sometimes it's terrible. Sometimes it's actually very good. Uh, What kind of week this is going to be will go a long way towards determining this game because, you know, Carolina did look good last week, but they didn't have good run-blocking grades. Like, this was not... They showed up and just bulldozed the Lions, just dominated them start to finish. The Lions showed up and, like, ran out of gaps. And then Carolina went, oh, okay. Like, yoink, 20, 30 yards every single time. Every time you looked up, that was happening. They the Lions defense was the architect of their own demise not Carolina showed up playing like a completely different brand of football than we've come to be used to them uh, over the course of this year first game was similar by the way sure you you have to assume the Tampa Bay defense is not going to do that you know maybe Devin White is going to have a play or two where he bounces out of the wrong gap or whatever but as a unit it's not going to do what the Lions did and just surrender 300 yards
1: yeah so uh during the season the bucks run defense grades they did have a 48 against the panthers back in week 7 they had a 30 grade against the ravens in that thursday night football game they had a 42 grade a couple weeks ago against the niners and then they bounced back the next week against the bengals with a 91 run defense grade so you would think hey they made the bengals one dimensional but i mean that's not that's not good sometimes because it puts the ball in joe burrow's hands and he tore it up right so the Bucks have really been hit or miss as far as run defense goes. And I I, I do think this is going to be a huge part of the game, right? And then I think it comes down to Darnold, right? Like, what, what is he going to be? Um, he's on this – he's had other stretches of play like this. He's got a 73 grade. It just happens to be his first four games of the season. The first three games of last year were fantastic. Right now he's got three grades in the green, one in the yellow. So – He's been good for most of the time. I told you. Looks a little bit different. Making some big-time throws. He's taking care of the ball. Just one turnover-worthy play. But he has yet to drop back. He's yet to attempt more than 24 passes in a game. So, I mean, you know that the Bucs are talking about it this week. Todd Bowles is saying, we stop the run. We make Sam Darnold beat us. Doesn't mean he can't because... Back in week seven or whatever it was, P.J. Walker beat them, right? Right, but remember that was also
0: one of the most absurd games of the entire NFL season. That was the game we talked about uh, yesterday. Six (laughs) big-time throws from P.J. ties the league lead this season in a single game for a quarterback. P.J. was just out here dealing, hitting holes in that Tampa Bay zone coverage all game long at a completely improbable level and didn't turn the ball over, didn't put it in harm's way. I don't think that Sam Darnold is capable of the kind of game that P.J. Walker had in that game. Now, to be fair, I didn't think P.J. Walker was capable of the kind of game P.J. Walker had in that game. But, like, if that's what's required for Carolina to have success and beat Tampa Bay, it's not happening.
1: I mean, we said that last week. That's, like, why you don't just look at what happened last week because before P.J. Walker did that, he completed zero passes beyond the line of scrimmage the previous week against the Rams. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, he's not going to do anything this week, and then he did.
0: Yes. So you just don't know week to week. But also, it's one of the most improbable things that's happened, and therefore it's unlikely to happen again.
1: Oh, that part of it, yeah. I get it. Um, and of course, on the other side, the Bucks' offense has still been bad, except every now and again, they have a half that's good against the Bengals or you know, a quarter that's good against the Cardinals when they go hurry up at some point. Will they ever put it all together missing jc horn on that side of the ball for the panthers certainly hurts the depth in the secondary so um expecting low scoring in this one because of know, the way things have gone certainly always expecting low scoring when tampa bay is playing all right bucks by three will they cover this week
0: so i'm never picking tampa bay to cover seven against anybody three though yes you and harry
1: are in on the Bucks this week? Right, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Sam, you've been doing a lot of stuff here with uh, with Prize Picks. It is easy to use, great way to play daily fantasy.
0: Yeah, absolutely love these guys. Um, every sport you can think of, including ones you haven't thought of. We obviously stick with the NFL on this show primarily. I'll give the list in a minute. Okay, you go through and you build up your uh, your little picks. You figure out who's going to go more or less in their projected totals. And build yourself a little ticket, and then the, my favorite part of it, though, is you don't even need to get them all right. You can still choose the method that will let you get one wrong, the one that will usually blow up your entire selection. You can you can get a do-over, and you can still get a payout even if you get you know four out of five right.
1: All right, so Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, which includes NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Also as an MMA expert, hmm. I can get in on this. Mm-hmm. This is great. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You get safe and fast withdrawals, and it's currently operational in over 30 states plus Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code PFF1. If you deposit $100, PrizePix gives you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix gives you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code PFF1 at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right. Some of the lesser games of the week. Pittsburgh I, uh, Steelers.
0: I spoke too soon. The first cranky Vikings fan in a couple of weeks just got through. So, uh, oh, what did he say? Is this, this in
1: direct response to our live podcast here? No, no, no. It... Just
0: uh, just replying to whinging. So I'm going to mute this guy right now. Now, anyway, where are we going? You're back to being muted. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just fascinated how how much people go out of their way to just be offended. Yeah. Like, some people are listening to us just to be offended
0: by something. Well, also, by the way, you know, when you have things like Kirk Cousins' number one fan in your bio, you're not exactly an impartial source of information here. In fact, some might suggest that you're using specific clips of the show, taking them out of context, manipulating what they actually were, and putting them out there with an agenda to maybe, you know, say that people hate Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Some might say that. Yeah. Anyway... What's feels the next like, game? Feels like a waste of time.
1: All right, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. It's Sunday night football, and the Ravens are favored by two and a half. This is Sunday night football? Yeah, it is. Right. This got uh flexed. Flexed in. What got flexed out again?
0: No, no. Don't care. S-
1: something worse. Yeah. Uh Lamar still not practicing as of yesterday. Um hearing for the first time that this isn't that, that this might be uh a little uh jockeying and politicking on Lamar's part. That's what For the contract? Yeah. I mean, look. This is all me. People are reading into John Harbaugh's comments that there might be something to Lamar making a statement here, Uh, contract-related. I'm not saying that. I'm saying people are saying this.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, you got to be, anytime you don't have any kind of guarantee as a quarterback and you're dealing with injury, it's got to be a factor, right? Like, do I want to, particularly after seeing the Baker Mayfield situation play out, you know, recently. Like, if you are waiting for that giant payday as a, as a quarterback and you're dealing with an injury and you're asking yourself, can I play in this game? Probably. Will I play well in this game if I'm going back out there with what I'm currently dealing with? I don't know. If I don't play well, what does that do to the dollar figure that's coming down the pipe? Like, that's a real question that quarterbacks should be asking themselves. And if he's doing that, I don't have any problem with it. Yeah. I mean. Use what leverage you have, I guess. Not even leverage, but, like, you have to ask yourself... Because, you know, we've reached the point in the season where so many players are playing through something, right? Maybe you've heard that sort of phrase of nobody's 100% healthy at this point in the season, right? But a lot of people are playing with... Few people are playing with the kind of incentive that Lamar Jackson is in terms of what he can get contractually at the end of this. So what he has to be asking himself, having seen the Baker Mayfield situation play out, is... If I come back for my team and play worse than my usual baseline, even if it gives us a better chance to win, are, am I going to lose out in the contract at the end of it? And if the answer to that is yes, I think it's a very fair thing to say I'm not getting back out there until I'm 100% healthy. Isn't it that and just going into
1: the offseason healthy as you presumably get into further negotiations and the idea of, you know, is it a franchise tag? Is it gonna be two franchise tags? Is it gonna get tumultuous? You know, is Lamar gonna demand a trade? I don't know. I mean, Lamar's negotiating without an agent, which I think is always, it's always difficult, right? Because you, the, the agent is able to have more um, direct conversations with the front office, when it, you know, whereas when you don't have an agent, presumably it gets a little bit more personal. It's harder to say, well, we need Lamar to get better at this, this, and this. It's easier to say that through the agent who can then filter it down to the player, right? It's harder to... Because that's what a negotiation is. It's basically saying, you're not worth what you think and we have to give a reason. We don't think you're good enough at this, this, and this. We want to give you less, basically, right? Um, it's harder to do that with an individual. So you want to go into that offseason with no knocks, right? No health issues, no... Anything and to your point, no, you know, failure down the stretch when maybe you're playing less than 100%. So, um, I don't, I'm not trying to look into it too much. It's just we don't know when Lamar Jackson's going to be back. And that changes the outlook of this game because the Pittsburgh Steelers playing pretty well these last couple of weeks. Kenny Pickett moving the ball around, you know, throwing the ball accurately, making good decisions. Um, they're not tearing it up offensively. They just scored 13 points against the Raiders. you got some of that late game magic in the tough in the tough cold in Pittsburgh Sunday night
0: yeah and remember the last time they played Trubisky actually had a pretty big game right up until he kept making big mistakes yeah so it was one of those weird games where he was generally productive but then had a few really bad plays in there which sort of offset a lot of that
1: it was the most explosive yeah the Steelers passing attack has looked in about three years but then he also threw the ball to the defense three times.
0: And it was also a game where Kenny Pickett lasted like four snaps before a double-A gap look from the linebackers caused some problems, flushed him from the pocket, and then Roquan Smith like tossed him to the ground and he's concussed because he's out of the game. So was that, was that a successful offensive performance that would have translated with Kenny Pickett at quarterback? Or did Kenny Pickett get knocked from a game early that he would have struggled in anyway with those double a gap looks and you know blah 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 so it is kind of a fascinating game where the offense overall was quite successful against Baltimore last time but with a different quarterback for almost all of it
1: more importantly Kenny Pickett's 0-1 in his career now against the Ravens more importantly yeah he's 0-1 he had the start yeah he had the start in that game
0: I mean you definitely lose when you get knocked out of a game by concussion I mean, it's just it's a an new team right there. Um,
1: we were raving about Tyler Huntley last year at this time. Uh, not, not nearly as much this year. He's had a couple of games where he hasn't even thrown the ball. You know, dropped back more than 18 times. The Ravens are running the ball effectively. Can the Steelers make them one-dimensional, put the ball in Huntley's hands a little bit more? Last time around, Huntley just dropped back 17 times, finished 8 of 12 um, because they did have some level. Where were they on the ground? A lot of success on the ground. This is where J.K. J. Dobbins had his big game, eight per carry, Gus Edwards. Can the Steelers do a better job up front? Remember Cameron Hayward almost single-handedly blowing up the Raiders' run game the other night. It's going to take another superhuman performance, I think, from a guy like Hayward to uh, put a little bit more pressure on Huntley and the Ravens.
0: Yeah, Hayward started the season not necessarily amazingly, but he's been on a tear for a while, and that's definitely a pretty big problem. Again, matches him up sort of naturally with the weakest link on that Bengals offensive line, or Bengals Steelers, uh, Steelers uh, Ravens offensive line, Ravens. Um, Sorry, and could potentially cause some real problems for that group.
1: We expecting an old school defensive battle here, Sam.
0: Uh, well, I can't. I think it depends on whether. You know the Steelers can recapture the explosiveness what was sort of working for them last time I don't think the Ravens are going to score much and then the question becomes can Pittsburgh or was that just a random you know bisque game over under in this one's 35 yeah so uh
1: the people in Vegas are expecting a low scoring game Baltimore's favored by two and a half here they're at home um Harry has taken the Ravens okay I'm going to go with the Steelers. Oh, you don't, you don't trust my seven year old? No, this game, no. In other games, you guys have agreed on uh, almost every other game. And you only disagree. You'd still have Tennessee. Are you sticking with your Tennessee pick, by the way? Mm-hmm. You are. Mm-hmm. Do you feel better about it with Josh Dobbs? No. On his fourth team in the
0: last calendar year? Yeah. On his second team in the last, like, two weeks. All right.
1: Uh, Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. We've talked a little bit about Tua Tonga Vailoa. He's out with a concussion injury. We got into that in depth multiple times yesterday. We had a, an entire Tua concussion part of the show and also talked about it with John Amick if you want to hear more about Tua concussions, how the Dolphins handled it, how this all came about. But Tua is out. Teddy Bridgewater is back in. Um, the thing that I struggle with here, Sam, is that I, I think there's truth that Tua was having a career year, is having a career year, in part because Tyree Kill's there, right? Second year of Jalen Waddell, the speed, Mike McDaniels, all that stuff. And that's all true. I think that's completely true. But it hasn't translated to Teddy Bridgewater, who coming into the season in a vacuum, if you said, who's better, Teddy Bridgewater or Tua, based off what you've seen, it's a toss-up. Yeah, close, right? So theoretically, there shouldn't be a drop-off from Tua to Teddy Bridgewater. But in the limited time this year before Teddy got hurt, there was. So what's going to happen this week? The Patriots favored by three here
0: at home. Yeah, it's kind of weird that, okay, we haven't seen that much of him, obviously, but Teddy has not looked good in this offense, which apparently is cheat code for pretty much any, you know, for a guy like Tua. Um, Teddy has no big-time throws for turnover worthy he plays in the limited time he's been quarterback in this offense. I, I, I wonder if Teddy has reached that point, the, like the Nick Foles arc, where he's just been at it so long that he's declining and he's no longer sort of capable of the earlier level of play we saw from him which should be good enough to be able to be very good in this offense now the other thing is as much as this offense appears to be a cheat code for wide open receivers it does ask the quarterback to push the ball down the field quite a bit like to his average at the target is pretty sky high this year um
1: so and teddy in his limited time only 60 dropbacks does have 9.6 average depth of target way higher than what he's used to
0: right but it's it's never been his game in fact it's always been the thing he's been criticized for of you know can teddy be an aggressive quarterback can he take those shots deep down the field can he put the ball where it needs to be so tua's average depth the target this year is 10 10.1 if you're into double digits if you're into 10 and above you're sky high when it comes to average at the target um bridgewater just doesn't play the game that way and it's all it was always the question for him throughout his career which is yeah, like he's efficient, he's accurate, but man, he's just not aggressive enough. And early, you know, with the Vikings, it was like, is that him or is that this weird North Turner offense that kind of locks him into two receivers out in patterns, everybody playing max protect and just nowhere to go with the ball. And then the longer his career went on, it was more like, nah, this does appear to be Teddy,
1: pathologically conservative. Yeah, it's like he's on the
0: Alex Smith spectrum. Yeah, um,
1: I wonder if it's if it's a. Um like time to throw is this informative number that it's just, you know, snap to release or snap to the end of the play, um, or when a quarterback crosses the line of scrimmage as a scrambler, that feels like an informative number in this offense where Jimmy Garoppolo's in that 2.5 range every single year of his career. Tua's in that 2.5 range. In limited time this year, Teddy's up over three seconds, but historically in his career, he's 2.8. So the difference of 2.8 versus, say, 2.5 is Bridgewater is is the guy that we always say gets elevated in the Shanahan scheme Shanahan tree is the guy who's just getting rid of the ball quickly getting it out of his hands hitting that open receiver right off right off the right off the bat and Bridgewater is a little bit slower going through his progressions going you know whatever it might be right um because historically he's a 2.8 it's just it's just lower whether it was under North Turner whether it was in Carolina whether it was in Denver pretty consistent even New Orleans um in Sean Payton's system, Bridgewater had success, but it was still coming out a little bit slower than, than some of the other guys. I wonder if that's a big part of this for the Dolphins, where it's not, it's not an offense that literally every quarterback fits in, but when you get a guy who might not be the most skilled quarterback in the world um, but can at least just you know have the quick release and get rid of the ball, they're going to have success. Garoppolo, Purdy, Tua, whoever it is. Yeah. So I wonder if that's a big part of it. But either way, two was like what four and against uh, the Patriots, for whatever that's worth, and uh, you don't get that right now.
0: No, um, New England dealing with a lot of injuries in their secondary to a group that wasn't already that already wasn't good to start with. Um, I do kind of wonder like, at some point the colossal mismatch that is Tyree Kill versus anybody that's going to be trying to cover him is a pretty significant one. And even if it's not Tyree Kill, it's Jalen Waddle. Like it's a huge advantage in Miami's favor okay some of that is offset by the fact that Teddy is now the quarterback but like at what point does that become just too big to overcome uh, back in week one what was the final score I mean it was 20 to 10
1: I believe the Patriots held the Dolphins offense to just 13 points yeah Tua was out there Tyreek Hill, like that was when Hill and Waddle were getting theirs but the points weren't there right so I don't know man I think it's gonna be a good game I, I really think um Tua, when he's not concussed is running this offense at such a high level, I would easily look at the Dolphins uh, winning this game. And now this changes things, right, with Bridgewater, unless he can yeah. turn it around a little bit. And, again, I don't want to overrate like 60, sna- like 60 dropbacks right. this year for Bridgewater. But NFL, uh, playoff implications on the line here, a lot happening. Patriots offense is a train wreck of their own. So – Another low-scoring game. Potentially, Patriots are 7-8. and eight, Dolphins are 8-7. and seven. So we're looking at trying to sneak into the playoffs here if you're in New England.
0: I'm going to go with the Patriots,
1: covering three. You're taking the Patriots. What did Harry take? You go Miami? <laughs> also the Patriots. He took the Patriots, too. Yep. Wow. Favorites. <clears throat> he didn't always go favorites. He usually just goes by record. No. He thinks the team with a better record is obviously better. Mm. That's why he took Minnesota against Green Bay. He, think that's, he thinks that's a foolish line. He's got some quotes here later too. Anyway, Jets and Seahawks. The
0: uh, Jets are favored by one and a half in Seattle. Mike, Mike White Mike Mike Mike. White's back yeah. with all kinds of uh, space-age padding and protection. Apparently, the equipment will guys. Will that work? And, will it work? How do I know?
1: How many? What's the worst injury you've played through?
0: And well, I've you? never, I've never had anything rib-related. rib-related. So I don't know i i only have secondhand stories of how painful it is to play through anything rib related yeah. i've never actually done it myself i imagine it's terrible yeah it sounds like it sucks so but equally i have no idea how much they're therefore putting like a kevlar plate in front of it will help
1: i will say it's it's uh the jets offensive line versus seattle's defensive line is a, you know, a bit of a pillow fight mm. as they say right if there's a team where you might be able to protect your quarterback and not get hit a ton. Seattle doesn't get to the quarterback very effectively. This could be a nice little game for Mike White to get back
0: and uh, spread the ball around to get that offense cooking again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mike White has claimed that he's felt fine the last couple of weeks when the medical guys have been like, uh, no. Now, I'm sure it's you probably do feel fine right up until a 300-pound dude tees off on your ribs again, at which point you probably feel unfine. So, you know, I, I think if they can keep him upright I'm fine and he isn't drilled repeatedly then maybe Mike White can go out there and deal and should be I mean he's the best quarterback option that the Jets have um, and it has looked pretty good this year if however they can find a way of actually getting to Mike White and hitting him a couple of times maybe that changes everything why are are people attacking you about Malik Willis we don't have time for this what's going on out there live Twitter junk
1: no we don't we definitely don't um Gino Smith hasn't played nearly as well these last few weeks mostly turnover worthy plays but um boy does he a throw uh, he throws Gino Smith throws the best red zone post in the league
0: best red zone the post. best
1: red zone post remember what was who somebody had that statement about like Cameron Braid is like the best high angle post router in the tight red zone or something like that a couple of years they? ago yeah that's me Gino Smith red zone post threw it to DK Metcalf the other day DK couldn't keep his feet in bounds but um, again, just repeating again Geno Smith hasn't played as well the last few weeks but not to the level of it's a disaster right it's 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 not good it's not good but he's still capable of making these big time throws he's, he's made um, some really nice throws these last couple of weeks but it's not like it was early in the year where he just um He wasn't missing a whole lot. He was, I mean, early in the year, he was completing like 80% of his passes. Um, The totality of the season for Geno Smith looks fantastic. Yeah. It's just how how much do you separate the first seven or eight weeks versus the last few? He's up to 25 turnover-worthy plays. That's second in the league behind Josh Allen right now.
0: Also, when you kind of look at it on a game-by-game basis, it's very driven by, you know, four performances, that are outstanding got th- 90s in there three yeah. games above 90 grade overall one game of 84 nothing else above 75 um, and actually most of it below you know 65 so since that last 90 grade which was week eight against the giants um we've had 65 66 60 73 55 66 73 again so like that's not it's not a great run it's not terrible it's it's you know, but it's no different than like last year's Gino, for example, which yeah. spat out to like a 74 overall and gave just enough flashes where people predicted, you know, some people were like, ah, oh, Gino, he is a quarterback. He can be the guy. But, not, but but it also gave enough that everybody else was like, no, I mean, this is just, like, this isn't a great baseline. This is fine, but you're going to need better than this. So, I mean, yeah, Seattle is in this weird spot of, do we have a quarterback
1: he was uh Geno Smith also was doing a little bit better job early in the season at just general sack avoidance. I think that's caught up a little bit. He's been sacked 39 times. That was one of the knocks on Geno Smith. He's offset that with a few nice runs and scrambles and all that that you know, better than he had in the past. But I think the Jets defensive line will have some success. The the Steel the Seahawks offensive line has really regressed these last few weeks. Hard. Right? It, when when you have a line that has two rookie tackles and they were very just very solid from the, fir- the first 12 or 13 weeks of the season and the, you don't expect them to get worse as the season goes on unless you run into some bad matchups but they, they couldn't block Chris Jones who can but like they they were getting beat up last week against the Chiefs and the last few weeks Jets should absolutely have that advantage up front we'll see you know this has the makings of one of those games where Geno Smith gets sacked four or five times and you know Tyler Lockett's trying to come back from his injury that's going to be a struggle he was supposed to be out for the season we'll see that has also hurt i think some of the downfield passing from seattle these last couple weeks i i like the jets in this one for whatever that's worth but i'm not making the picks
0: yeah the jets pass rush is still absolutely legit um and that's going to cause all kinds of problems and you know the first eight weeks of the season um seattle's offensive line from a pass blocking grade standpoint was top half of the nfl it was 14th the last six weeks it's dead ass last yeah um so that and if that blocking. happened in
1: reverse you'd say okay the rookies starting yeah. off slow and then they then they improved
0: right but it's in reverse and it, yeah it's really fallen off and those guys have had a rough run now look they have faced some elite players over that time they faced chris jones they faced nick bosa these are the kinds of players that will ruin your day if you're an offensive lineman trying to pass block but it's a significant issue that they've had that that goes beyond just those games
1: all right where are you going with this one
0: I'm gonna go with I'm gonna ride with Mike White
1: yeah I just think busted up ribs Mike White's ability to just sit back there make quick decisions get rid of the ball and the Jets pass rush against a declining Seattle offense I would I would take the Jets as would Harry so they're going uh they're going Jets there get to the next game in a second if I can get my uh I didn't learn anything I didn't learn anything from John right what did he tell you preparation No, completely unprepared. Unprepared, start to finish. We're going to talk about underdog here after this next after this next game. Okay, Cleveland Browns at the Washington Commanders. Now we're starting to get into every game's got some some new quarterbacks. Right, we get some new quarterbacks to talk about pretty much every game for the rest of the uh, of the slate here. The uh, Commanders are favored by two.
0: Carson Wentz under center here. (laughs) Yeah, we've gone back to Carson Wentz. And apparently there's a report out today that they're not even sure that they're going to be looking for a quarterback in the offseason. In fact, they'd rather not, you know? We'd, we'd quite like for Carson Wentz to win these next two games, take us into the playoffs, maybe win a playoff game, and then we can ride with Carson next year. That would be great. That's the report, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Somebody told me yesterday, I don't want to drop his name in case he's not wild attaching it to this quote. It was an off-the-record quote, but he was like, nobody rides quarterback vibes harder than Ron Rivera, you know? Just... 100% vibes. That's what we're going with here. Right now, the vibes are the Taylor Heineke is just getting it done. You know, a dude's slinging the ball downfield. Receivers are coming up with it. Safeties are getting taken out by referees. Couldn't be going better, you know? And then all of a sudden, the vibes disappear. And it's like, well, let's go back to Carson. His vibes are probably good right now. Let's roll with that. Hopefully, he can, he can write that for a few weeks. Was, it, was, was that it PFT that made this? This sounds like
1: a PFT kind no, of No, I wasn't quote. very
0: un-PFT type of person. But still, I think, it's, I think it's incredibly accurate as a statement, as an analysis.
1: Right now, the Commanders have the number seven seed in the playoff picture, seven, seven, and one. Um, I was trying to think back the other day. I was like, wait, Carson Wentz has never played in a playoff game. And then I did forget he did play in a playoff game. He had nine snaps in the 2018 nine snaps, huh? wild card game and then um got hurt so he had four drop backs that was
0: with the knee thing right where he dived was that that game? no
1: that was in 2017 when he oh, okay. he was out for the season in 2017 18 he missed some of the end of the regular season and i think came back for the playoffs and got hurt immediately right 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 and then nick Foles took over won that game and then lost the next game whatever it was i think they lost to who they lose to some other team got that yeah Lose to the Saints. Perfect. They lost to the Saints in the second round. Beat the C- uh, Seahawks and lost to the Saints or something like that. So, um, yes, Carson Wentz. My point is Carson Wentz <laughs> has a chance to uh, to be a playoff quarterback here, but he's going to have to you know lead some wins over the next couple weeks. Commanders yeah. are seven seven and one, and the the three teams that are seven and eight right on their heels are the Seahawks, the Lions, and the Packers. mm Hmm going up against the Browns this week yeah, at home.
0: The, I feel like I was getting gaslit during the week about everybody analyzing Deshaun Watson last week. Like, there were multiple reports or tweets that seemed to be highlighting some incredible performance from him that, that evaded the rest of us who saw the Browns not getting anything was that going that all about? It. I don't know. It, it was almost like,
1: like if all of the if the beat reporters were working for like browns.com <laughs> yeah it'd be like all right there's like this edict from the top to talk about how great deshaun watson's doing right now right but you're coming off of a 10-point game in which they lost yeah and look we are pffs all about context here right? cold really cold we love content there's cold there was there was three drops in the end zone there was some wind there was it was windy but it's not like we're not talking about this incredible performance or anything by Watson it wasn't as bad as maybe 10 points or his <laughs> stat line showed right
0: 135 yards 15 completions a 48 percent the completion proper context
1: rate. give him credit for the drops and they happen in the end zone and all that stuff but he didn't like master the wind in the cold or anything like that
0: he had seven passing first downs like i just I don't know had three okay ten then theoretical passing
1: first downs. And so the things that you were seeing were, test was passed.
0: Yeah. Right. Look at this amazing throw in the crappy conditions that almost hit the ground and was wide open. You almost like, skipped what? It. Yeah, I don't understand. Now that. he did make some amazing throws, like that one where Donovan Peoples Jones dropped it and yeah, nice. not dropped, didn't come up with it in the back of the end zone. That was a really nice play. But like, what do we? I, I don't know. I just... The entire week was these Browns people being like, look at this incredible performance from Deshaun Watson. He's, he's you know, ticked off that box of the crappy conditions, showing he can do it in a wet, you know, cold weekday in Stoke. Like, what? This is... This doesn't look any better. He still looks rusty as hell. What are we doing here?
1: I don't know. I don't know what that was all about. Watson's been okay the last couple of weeks. It's just all right.
0: Maybe been average okay at best
1: um always my weekly concern the uh the browns defensive fronts have not graded they've they've graded above 60 against the run one time since uh since week seven and uh four times on the entire season so washington who once again as with wentz under center they're still gonna want to run brian robinson and just you know give him his 20 carries and get antonio gibson involved in the whole deal i think washington's able to grind it out against the browns the, the knock on Wentz when he was in, besides not scoring a lot of points, turnovers, turnover-worthy plays. I was embracing that, though, early in the year. You know, you know me, I'm just like, let it, let it rip, Carson. Like, you're, if you're just going to be a check-down king, we don't need you. We can, get, we can get that anywhere else. Wentz had multiple turnover-worthy plays in four of his first five starts, but he also had games where he had a bunch of big-time throws in the whole deal. The, and then the one knock... The other knock that you would give him was not not throwing the ball to Terry McLaurin enough, not throwing to their top-notch playmakers. I want Wentz to be aggressive, get those guys involved, work off play action, get the run game involved, and I think Washington can have some success here.
0: The funny thing is, they've basically been the same quarterback. Like, it's actually funny, because they played—it's a very interesting comparison right now, because they played an almost identical amount of snaps, Wentz and Taylor Heineke. So we're talking 292 dropbacks for Heineke, 282 dropbacks for Carson Wentz, right? Over that period of time, Heineke has 12 touchdowns to six interceptions. Wentz has 11 touchdowns to six interceptions. They both have a completion rate of 62 point something percent. Now Carson Wentz has a PFF grade of 63. Taylor Heineke has one of 49.8. Um, and, you know, big time throw rate, I, advantage Carson Wentz. The real difference though is the turnover-worthy play stuff, where Heineke, his turnover-worthy play rate is almost twice what Carson Wentz's is. He just got a hell of a lot luckier. Um, On the other hand, Carson Wentz got a lot more unlucky when it comes to receiver help because he had a drop rate that's more than four times higher, 8% versus less than 2%. And then the other major difference is Carson Wentz's pocket presence and ability to get the hell out of pressure is abysmal, and he has a... uh, The percentage of pressure that turns into sacks for him is 24%, which is massive, versus under 16%. Well broken Um, down. Despite, by the way, Heineke holding onto the ball a hell of a lot longer than Carson Wentz. But this is why, when he first made the switch, why are you going to Taylor Heineke over in Carson Wentz? And you couldn't articulate it any better than this guy's winning? It was dumb. And it's why going back right now is probably dumb. Because if you just... Going well. This guy's no longer winning. I'm going to make a change. You have no grasp. Going back is not dumb. You have no grasp over what's actually moving the needle. Carson anyway. Wentz is better. He's better than Taylor Heineke. But if you don't understand how or why your change is probably not affecting anything, doesn't matter. Carson Wentz is better. They should be better. They're basically the same guy. All that. to say, who you who are you taking? Washington by two here. Washington, because. I'm not buying into this jump forward and Brian performance from Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. All right. Well
1: Harry's taking Cleveland because he thinks Watson's turned a corner in the cold or something. Well he bought
0: the tweets. He did. Yeah.
1: He's he's been reading this he read the article, media he stuff, read the articles. he read yeah. the tweets, he's in. He doesn't feel like he's being gaslit, he's no. seen it. The gauntlet is open for drafting on Underdog Fantasy. It's a playoff best ball tournament with a million dollars in total prizes and a $100,000 first place prize. Just draft your team before the NFL playoffs start and that's it. Drafting players will rack up a bunch of fantasy points and advance deep into the playoffs. That's the key to this style of contest, right? Fantasy points and advance deep into the playoffs. If you haven't signed up yet for Underdog, use the promo code PFF and you'll get your first deposit matched up to $100 so get ready the gauntlet is open for underdog fantasy in their you know playoff best ball tournament all right we have seven more games to discuss here in the next hour uh new orleans saints at the philadelphia eagles eagles favored by six and a half harry had some predictions on this they didn't really make sense though philly will score a touchdown then miss the extra point then they have to get a safety then the saints We'll get a touchdown, they'll miss the extra point, and the Eagles will score a game-winning field goal. Okay, it's a pretty specific prediction. It's very specific. Now we also picked the Eagles to cover the six and a half. So I tried to explain that a game-winning field goal might not match up with your prediction, uh, but uh, we'll see. Just waiting. wanted to make that note in case you know all that stuff happens.
0: Okay, that's important context. Um, I am interested in Philadelphia's monstrous interior defensive lineman. You know the. The lightweight, sprightly 348-pound Jordan Davis lining up next to the man mountain uh, that is Linval Joseph right now. But this has become one of
1: our favorite weekly things, right? You and I are both. We'll watch some Philadelphia film until
0: this damn. So we can't we can't tweet out any images from the All 22 until this thing gets worked out and we the draconian restrictions are removed again. But there's, you need to find it. You go through you know, the game pass, all 22, whatever it is, look at the end zone view, and you keep finding these plays where it's like the guy on the left is 305 pounds. The guy on the right is listed at 310 pounds. The guy in the middle is making those guys look like they're linebackers. Like how much does Limbaugh Joseph weigh right now? 450. It's got to be, it has to be something absurd. Um, but he actually played well last week. Anyway, my point being... The biggest weakness for this New Orleans Saints team is just this interior offensive line that's a train wreck. And Philadelphia can deploy, like, this platoon of 300-plus-pound monsters in the middle that are capable of wrecking shop. They could blow up the entire Saints run game immediately. Saints' interior
1: offensive line is is rough right now. I mean, look, I want to see how Philadelphia's defense bounces back. That was after after Dak threw the pick 6 they end up with a 37 coverage grade on the day they got absolutely thrashed that was like last year's eagles despite having better talent you know they they still had a good pass rush too right and you always talk about pass rush and coverage and pairing them together and everything they still got pressure up front they still made plays they they still were um they still sacked Dak a few times the coverage unit man i mean if if they can't figure out their zone defense concepts, and Dalton's a guy who could sit back there if he's got a little bit of time. If he doesn't get, if they don't get wrecked up, you know, up front, Dalton can pick him apart too in this game. um I think I think the pressure is going to be too much for Dalton, but um, Philadelphia's got to do something defensively. I don't know if I'm overreacting too much to one game, or if the Cowboys just just one game, or the Cowboys had all the answers, but that was bad last week third and 30 completions and all that stuff Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna be looking for how the Eagles bounce back and of course Gardner Minshew is getting the start once again now am I hearing that they're talking about Jalen Hurts trying to play I doubt it yeah he didn't practice I mean just I get I get some misinformation on uh radio hits every now and then I've got a fantasy question should I start Dak or Hurts I said well this feels obvious start the guy that's gonna play yeah I'm not a fantasy expert by any means. No. But start. Even though you're in the expert league. I am in the expert league, and I will regretfully not win this year. Oh, wow. I did not make the finals for the first time in uh, our seven-year history. Hmm. Very sad. End of an era. I still still won the regular season. Dynasty is over. I still had the most points this year. The dynasty is not over. No. I'll be back. Okay. I'm like Alabama. As soon as you write me off, oh, this is it for Alabama. I'll just win it next year know what I mean okay but um yeah Jalen Hurts probably not playing as expected
0: I uh I forgot to check my all 22 team for the last several weeks including the playoffs apparently I've won both games I'm wow, you're the championship. a star having not looked at my team <laughs> you're a star at all 22 yeah that's all I, that's I've sort of been looking for for years just that finally there's a game where you can have a complete roster then I'll be interested um, admittedly not enough apparently to check my team throughout the playoffs, but. Interested enough to to be good. My All-22 team was
1: a little rough, little rough here. All right, what are we talking about? Can Gardner Minshew keep it up here for the Eagles? Yeah, why not? Gardner Minshew's a good player. Should he be getting
0: uh, starting opportunities around the league? Look, it's it's tough for any of these guys because people want more than that, you know? Nobody wants... Nobody wants Gardner Minshew as their starter. Nobody wants Mike White as their starter. Nobody wants really Derek Carr as their starter. You want something better. So God, it's just the weirdest league because uh, there's there's at least five teams that want that will go out
1: of their way to get Derek Carr. I believe.
0: I there's n- I don't think optimistic. there's people
1: going out of their way to get Mike White or Gardner Minshew.
0: No, the question is like how much better can those guys get because that's the relevant thing. Like or how bad is the current situation where we can use them as a stopgap? Like, that's the only way those guys get any kind of starting gig. Um, I'm telling you, the most impressive thing
1: to me about Minshew is that Jaguars team that he had for two years should have been terrible. Yeah. They should have been absolutely terrible, and he made them reasonable. Minshew is like... And now he's got a good
0: supporting cast. Minshew is a player sort of born into the wrong era. If he'd come along 10, 15 years earlier, Minshew would be a valuable, capable starting quarterback because the prospect of having, like, a Brody Croyle was so much worse than a Minshew, right? So Gardner Minshew would have like a $50 million contract just through not being Brody Croyle. But it, we're not in that world anymore. We're in a world where if you have a Derek Carr, you're thinking, man, we can, go, we can do better. We can be better than this, you know? And you're getting rid of guys like that. And so a Gardner Minshew or a Mike White, it's like, I mean, what chance do you have?
1: Yeah, you're not going out of your way to get that guy. Where there wasn't, there was an era where it's like, this guy's a starter,
0: pay him now. Alex Smith got a hundred million dollar contract because the prospect of not having Alex Smith was terrifying. It was for the Chiefs, right, for a while. So you gave a guy like that a hundred million dollar contract, like it's it was insane. All right,
1: I like Minshew. I like the way he's playing. Harry's taking Philadelphia to cover despite the game-winning field goal statement. Yeah,
0: man, six and a half's a lot though.
1: Um. I... Saints playing for their playoff lives here. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I will also go Philadelphia. Six and a half, huh? Yeah. I don't all like right. that at all. San
1: Francisco 49ers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Niners by 10. It was six, right? Yeah. Before the uh, Jarrett Stidham elevation to starter. hmm So Stidham, first NFL start, I believe, right? First NFL start against
0: this Niners defense go get him kid yeah it's pretty harsh that's <laughs> harsh to Derek Carr because we're ending his career pretty unceremoniously uh in right in Vegas um but that's harsh to Stidham it's like oh okay everybody knows you're not really wanting to see the young guy we're just protecting our money with Derek Carr but to throw him out against the league's number one defense is just like adding insult to injury and then the Chiefs yeah the next week right so, yeah, that's, that's, that doesn't feel like it's going to go well for the, yeah. uh, the Raiders' offense. Raiders currently have the number 10 pick in the NFL
1: draft. That could easily become 7, 8, 6, 7, or 8, right? Um, Raiders, by the way, still aren't
0: mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Do You think they might, might win out here? No, but I'm just saying, like, they've decided to essentially blow this season up while still being alive. Yeah. I mean, we that. thought
1: that they should have blown the season up in April.
0: Yeah. And just said,
1: let's, let's trade Derek Carr now and start this rebuild. Instead, they, again, they went the other way. They went Devontae
0: Adams and Chandler Jones and doubled down on Carr. Right, but at the point where you've done that, it feels a little bit weird to kill it before it's, you know, I mean, we were writing Green Bay off a few weeks ago, where it was like, well, they're done. Just
1: want to say, I feel, I feel for Derek Carr a little bit. He gets up there every single week at the podium. He's very emotional. He takes all these losses personally. He's put a lot on the line for the, for the Raiders back, dating back to 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made the playoffs a couple times and the whole deal with Carr. I think he's still the epitome of a, of a mid-tier quarterback, right? Upper mid-tier quarterback.
0: It's a very cold way to move on. It was a very Derek cold Carr. way to move on. Now, is it? We hear all the time, you know. The NFL is a business. Everybody understands that. <sighs> yeah, but are there times where you, you know, the sort of there are definitely times where interpersonal relationship trumps the business aspect of the NFL. It feels like this is one of those situations where it could and maybe usually does where it's like all right we all understand we're moving on at the end of the year but we're not gonna we're not gonna tell you to go home just to protect the money now you know we're gonna play it out and then we'll then we'll kick you to curb i mean it feels rough you had
1: the giants a couple years ago they they benched eli manning because there was a business decision to see davis webb or whatever it was at the time and then they brought eli back because it's like all right let's at least let him go out Playing football. Yeah, but knowing that, that, that he's was gonna like, retire.
0: that I think was a very much more legitimate thing of we want to see the young guy. Like, that was, that was, they were the same selling point, you know, but one of them was true. Like, they genuinely, Eli was done. They had to have a look at the young guy on the roster and see if there was anything there. Whereas, this is not what's happening with the Raiders. They are determining we are getting rid of Derek Carr. We know there's nothing in Jarrett Stidham. We're not like taking a look at the young guy like we're just moving on and this is just the easiest way of selling that do you think
1: how much of this do you think is okay not only are we moving on from Derek Carr but also the actual draft pick because like right now like I said they're, they're picking at number 10 the teams that they could leapfrog are the the Saints Browns the actual teams. Saints have you know, the Eagles have the Saints pick the, the Rams are ahead of the Raiders at the moment the Falcons there's a couple teams that they could leapfrog who have higher picks they could technically get up to maybe five or six and we're talking about a draft that has what four quarterbacks potentially rumored in the top 10 i wonder how much of that's like let's just ensure that we're going to lose these next two weeks we need to, and get we this. have to keep car healthy and all these different things you need how to, to get
0: as uh, high as you can if you're going to draft tim tebow in the first round the way the game plan is supposed to work for josh mcdaniels oh boy you go in there right you alienate your star wide receiver you alienate your star quarterback you get rid of them and then you draft Tim Tebow in the first. That's how this works, right? That's the strategy. It was the last time. So they're going to get Anthony Richardson from Florida? I've seen a lot of people saying that that's Will Levis. This feels a bit harsh, but uh, I don't know. That's, that's the game plan. That's what step we're on to. Is this the game where uh, Brock Purdy comes back down to earth? <sighs> I mean, I'm why ask every be? week? What can the Raiders' defense do to stop Kyle Shanahan's wizardry? I don't know. They just held the Pickett
1: Steelers to 13. Yeah, it's the week. same thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, good luck. I think the Niners' defense is going to have a lot of success here. hmm So Harry's got the Niners covering the 10. Same. Do, do we have any other
0: 49ers analysis here? They're
1: okay. really good. Throw the ball to Kittlemore.
0: Yeah throw the ball to Kittle or any of them (laughs) they just have an embarrassment of riches they have the best skill position group in the NFL right like who else would come close can um
1: can I be the Brock Purdy voice of reason for a minute here uh what is that voice of reason he's playing fine yeah he's not been hasn't been great he's been very similar to Jimmy Garoppolo right which is you know pretty good yeah, it's also the same thing that like the you know people people hate people hate Jimmy Garoppolo when he plays. Sometimes there's enough. Like Brock Purdy is not the next Joe Montana here. He's playing all right. He, he's coming off his best game. He played well last week. He's hitting those open throws. He's got two big time throws. Five turnover worthy plays. Only you know four as a starter. Um, still averaging these eight yards per attempt because that's what Shanahan's offense does. But let's not go overboard here. You know that like double screen, a double fake screen, George Kittle's wide open over the middle, or when he hits Iuke or Kittle over the middle and it becomes a fifty five yarder. It's the same stuff we said. Hey, Garoppolo's numbers are inflated a little bit because of the scheme. Don't look at raw numbers and say Jimmy Garoppolo's the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. He's not. He's mid tier. mid-tier performance in Shanahan's system leads to top five output. Purdy's doing, very much the same thing, which is great for a seventh rounder, and he's a rookie, and it's awesome. But at some point, that Garoppolo type of game that works the other way, where it's like, man, I really want to move on from this. The same thing where the Niners wanted to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. They didn't find... The, the only advantage here, if you're going to go with Brock Purdy going forward, is that he's on the rookie contract. Yeah. It's a is, cheaper version of Garoppolo, which is, some, which is enticing, right? Yes. It's, it's what I thought they wanted when they traded up to number three. Right. I'm just trying to
0: you know, people like to go overboard because the stats are beautiful I just for Brock Purdy yeah. so far. To an extent, I don't think it really matters. Um, like, the ultimate point is they're, they're still very much a Super Bowl contender even with Mr. Irrelevant as their quarterback. Whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo gets back from his injury in time to to be a factor again this season. Like, Purdy is playing well enough that this team and this offense and this collection of skill position players can beat anybody in the NFC and win a Super Bowl if it all continues as it is. Now, your point that I think is the most significant one, which is so far, we haven't really seen the game where Purdy makes a couple of glaring mistakes and turns the ball over multiple times by bad reads. We've seen him do it a couple of times, and generally speaking, he's gotten away with it. Like, he misread a coverage and threw the ball straight to Quandre Diggs, who dropped it. Those, when you're going to play that kind of game, where you're going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy, and you are very much a game manager facilitator you're the you're the guy that just uh, distributes the ball where it needs to go and lets the offense and the playmakers make plays you can't make too many mistakes within the offense like you have a very specific and limited job and if you blow it with a glaring turnover that's a problem Um, so far he hasn't done that if he does they're in a hole because if he suddenly has to completely change what he is and you're in a double you know if you have to become Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Mahomes or Kirk Cousins and lead a 20 point comeback can you do that like can, can you play that way because the offense isn't really designed to do it that that part's interesting because Garoppolo has been really good in comeback
1: situations and the Niners have been the defense has been fantastic and they've run the ball effectively and everything's worked well they crushed the Bucks, and they're they're crushing everybody every week if there's a comeback situation, if there's a comeback needed, can Purdy do that the same way Garoppolo did? Because Garoppolo was actually really good in those situations, scheme elevation or not, he was very good. So, just keeping an eye on all of that. All right, Let's to talk about this one: Colts and Giants. Giants by six. Nick Foles back out there.
0: <laughs> They're going back to Matt Ryan again. I, like they should just draw lots at this point. Like it doesn't matter. They're all bad. None of them were working. Matt Ryan's been the best out of all of them, though. Or it should be used as like, uh, you know, they have those sort of things at school where if kids are on good behavior, you get a ticket, and then you get a ticket, you know, you win something at the end of the week. It should be like that, right? Like whoever makes the the best points during the meetings, during the week, you get a ticket. Whoever has the most tickets on Friday, you're starting the game. Like that's how the Colts should be deciding their quarterback starting position. Just make it a merit-based system. I mean, don't you want to not start potentially behind that offensive line? I mean, look. I think Coach Saturday takes care of that during the game. Gotcha.
1: So, uh, I mean, the Colts are in their their positioning for uh, their pick. Have quarterbacks at the top of the draft as well. So, or
0: they become the Derek Carr team. They're the Derek Carr team. I don't know. Or both. It's one that makes sense. I don't know if Carr makes sense to the Colts. Does he? Sure. Why not? Feels like the box field are the best Bucks also makes Bucks sense. and commanders feel like the best ones well the commanders are gonna they're gonna roll with Carson and once he takes him to the playoffs and wins a couple of games the
1: there. commanders are like slowly they're going
0: Fitzpatrick and Wentz and Carr they're slowly working their way up the ladder Carr doesn't feel like a very vibes type of quarterback for Ron you don't think so no you want to have those vibes huh I mean it's like a more talented Heineke passion
1: Carr he cried at the podium it's passion mm. people like that how bad are the Colts? The Giants are favored by six. Pretty bad. Um, Giants are 8-6-1, and one, and um, they get the number six seed right now. This game, obviously, you have to win it here. But um, as far as all the NFC teams that have a chance to get into the playoffs, Giants have a golden opportunity here going up against the reeling Colts team.
0: Yeah, Colts might catch a real break, though, if Dexter Lawrence doesn't play. Um, He didn't participate in the latest practice. Dexter Lawrence has been one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. Leonard Williams is also questionable. Like, those are two real big playmakers for them on the inside. In seasons past, Dexter Lawrence, at the level he's been at this year, going up against Quentin Nelson at the level he's been at in the past, would be, like, one of the best one-on-one matchups in the NFL this year. Let alone this week. This week... I mean Dexter Lawrence might not play and Quentin Nelson hasn't been playing well so either way it's like a bit of a letdown of a matchup but like if Dexter Lawrence plays and is playing at his level he's a massive mismatch for this year's version of Quentin Nelson if he isn't out there that's a huge break for Indianapolis Daniel Jones being solid
1: you know Daniel Jones still fighting for his uh his future with the Giants he'll as of right now likely start a playoff game for the giants here and see we've what got a couple of like.
0: uh a couple of di- dimes from danny we last did have week. danny dimes last week wow that was the first multiple big time throw game from him since week three again teams that don't make sense right um dude he has he has a, he has a big time throw rate under two percent each of the last two years that's abysmal yeah Tua was at 2.7 percent and people were wondering if he had enough big throws in his game Danny Dimes
1: people were apologizing to him in the preseason of his rookie year because he had a few beautiful throws yeah um Colts run defense going up against uh, Saquon and the Giants um Colts number nine in run defense grade and you know as as ineffective as their offense was on Monday night against the Chargers you know the defense still playing hard and just you know keep They keep battling on that side. I don't think they're great defensively, but they keep battling. They can sneak a couple turnovers in there. But I definitely like the the Giants here unless something completely changes here for the Colts. After after being on pace for a million wins after his first start, his first game, Jeff Saturday has lost his last five.
0: Yeah, he was undefeated, and now he's very much not. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Colts to cover, though.
1: We have uh, Colts Texans in Week 18, by the way. God bless us. Harry's taking the Giants because they have a better record. Yeah. All right. The uh, Lions hosting the Chicago Bears. Lions favored by six. Harry reminds us it was 31 to 30 last time. I haven't fact checked him on that, but it sounds right. <laughs> that was Harry's first response, which again doesn't always match up because he picked Detroit to cover the six. Yeah. And he said it was 31 to 30 last time. And I was like, listen, Harry, yeah, He's right. Maybe, it was. Yeah. Let's get this good memory. Um, maybe. It's going to be another close game here in Detroit. But Harry said,
0: no way. My Lions are covering the six. He loves the Lions. Bears are on an eight-game losing streak skid, despite... But Justin, it feels good. Right, despite Justin Fields playing, like, out of his mind for a lot of that period. Look, admittedly, we're negative sometimes.
1: You know, we're... Because, you know, when, when teams win, every now and again, we've got to tell the truth, right? Hey, it was a win, but, you know, they, it's not sustainable or it's, you know, Whatever. So we have a lot, we've make a, made a lot of statements through the years. Like, this is the worst 6-2 and team we've ever seen. This is the worst 12-3 team we've ever seen. Let's, let's, let's reverse things a little bit. Are the Bears the most impressive team you've ever seen on an eight-game losing streak? Are they, no. Is there more optimism for this team on an eight-game losing streak than any other team in history?
0: No, they're not impressive at all. It's just that Justin Fields looks good. Right, there you go. And even Justin Fields looks good in a very specific way that might not be enough if he doesn't develop in other areas. I
1: gave you an opportunity to be optimistic and you still didn't take it.
0: Because there isn't... isn't that, That's not a reason to be optimistic. Like, the team stinks. The team's bad. The we defense that, is garbage. Though. That's expected. Unexpected was Fields being Lamar Jackson as a runner. Yeah, that part is definitely unexpected. Um, like, okay, so number one, Detroit's defense is bad. Bi- or, sorry, uh. Chicago's defense is bad can they stop Detroit's offense which has generally been very good this season and um, with Ben Johnson calling plays like they've been ahead they've been a step ahead of most defensive coordinators all the way through the year so that's the first point last time they didn't 31 30 this was a high scoring affair on both sides then you flip to the other side of the ball which is okay Detroit's defense gave up 320 rushing yards last week generally by their own ineptitude Chicago brings a much better running attack to the table with a different dimension in Justin Fields at a quarterback, can they bounce back? Can they figure out how to get people in the right gap every single play? If they can't, I mean, like the, the, the Bears are going to rush for a million yards. Yeah, this is the one that I was um,
1: – that, that's the matchup I'm looking at, right? The, the Lions run defense. We talked about the, the Bucks inconsistency a, a little while ago. The Lions have had games where their run defense graded at 29 against the Vikings back in week three. 35 against the Dolphins, 48 against the Bears back in week 10, and then 45 last week against the Panthers. If you take out those games, which you can't, mm-hmm. they've been solid otherwise, right? I mean, the the, the Lions were on a few-week stretch where they did uh, have a solid run defense performance from a grading standpoint. So what do you think they're
0: working on this week? I mean, gap integrity, run defense generally, like making sure people are actually stopping it. Like last time... They played. Justin Fields had 147 rushing yards. Khalil Herbert had 57. David Montgomery had 37. They got run all over. Um, But then I think was it the next game where they showed up and shut down Saquon Barkley completely randomly? They were awesome
1: against the Giants that following week. So
0: was that a a kind of, this is how this team bounces back is once they get absolutely embarrassed, they're going to show up the next week and look really good? Or... Was that just a fluke? I think they're going to do it. I think
1: that, that because I, the Giants game where they did play well against Saquon in the in the run game, they just were leveraging the ball well. It just looked like everybody's like, all right, let's do this. Saquon had 22 yeah, just,
0: rushing yards on 15 carries that game.
1: And, and look, we, we talk, we've talked more about the run game this year than we have the last five combined because it is a bigger factor, I think, in, in NFL games this season but that they beat the Giants 31 to 18 in that game in week 11 and that was the difference right that was the difference they they took Saquon out of the game the Giants have not built to win through the air in a in a pass first attack and that was a huge difference in the game I think the Lions are capable of doing that with the Bears this week
0: I I don't know if they're capable of stopping Justin Fields would be the big thing Um, but the
1: the, the Bears might just not want to run fields and they might want to save him for next year of course there's always that opportunity
0: uh what are they giving up uh they are giving up uh, i'm gonna need the calculator for this why don't you vamp a second while i figure out how to divide something by something else
1: um yeah so this is uh what's dan campbell telling the lions this week you're coming off this disastrous performance against the panthers the playoffs are on the line you got the packers lurking in week 18 right Dan Campbell's going to get the boys ready to play.
0: Go ahead. The Detroit defense this year is giving up 6.4 yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks running the ball. Oh, wow. Uh, Jalen Hurts has rushed 17 times for 90 yards against them. Justin Fields, 13 for 147. Josh Allen, 10 for 78. Daniel Jones, 7 for 50. Geno Smith, 7 for 49. Like, if you haven't figured that part out. Remember, that you.
1: There's differences in how you get there though, because some of those are pass plays. They're scrambles, right? It's not not every rushing yard's coming from the same.
0: No, but way. either way, but you're if saying like if Justin you Fields you stop
1: a guy like that. That's a problem. Fields wins in both ways, right? As a design runner and as a scrambler. So yeah, definitely a, a concern for the Lions. Mm-hmm. I think the Lions will bounce Only back.
0: Three of Fields, by the way,
1: last time were scrambles. I just think that the last game that was 31 to 30, we might see something similar here in the dome where I think the Lions' offense, which has been really good for most of the season, they're going to have their success against the Bears' defense. If, if the Lions don't figure out their issues from last week, it could be high scoring, but I think they're going to score more than they did last week against the Panthers. So
0: Yeah, I'm always buying Justin Fields' ability to cover the spread, even though he keeps not actually achieving it for me. You do believe in it every single week. I do. And it feels like it should happen. There are these games where it's like, it's really close. Ah, it's just it's gone the other way.
1: Uh, PFF apps in with you. The Bears covering the six. So uh, Harry's taking Detroit. Reminds mm-hmm. us it was thirty-one thirty last time. <sighs> all right, let's just crank out these last three and get out of here. Four. I love it. I love all the games. Jaguars and Texans. Ooh, Jags playing true. for nothing.
0: Yeah. Texans playing for pride. <laughs> the Jags playing for nothing. The, the Texans playing for only ruining their own draft stock. Like all they can do is take themselves out of the number one overall pick and feel good about it.
1: Yeah, it this game feel... could move the Bears. If the Bears lose and the Texans win, this could move the Bears into that number one slot. The Bears obviously don't need a quarterback, right? Presumably. Presumably. And, I mean, that'd be interesting if they just said, let's trade two two plus years of fields and then pick someone instead. I mean, they're far more likely to trade down with somebody. That was my initial thought, yeah. but then you said... That you presumably? What if they don't. love Bryce Young, like Possible. I do? I love Bryce Young.
0: Maybe they love Will Levis.
1: Maybe they won't love
0: <laughs> Will Levis. Man's got huge hands.
1: <sighs> Bryce Young's got it's the great best arm cold talent. in Chicago. Bryce Young's got the best arm talent in the draft. Um, so far in my watching. Anyway, the Bears could move to number one, and that would open up the bidding for the number one overall pick. So then you've got you know you know Jim Ursay would give up his entire draft just to get any quarterback,
0: (laughs) right? How huge would that be, by the way, for Chicago, a team who you know, traded away everything, essentially, you know, dismantled the whole thing around Justin Fields. All of a sudden, it looks like you've discovered something in Justin Fields. Now you need to kind of put everything around him quickly, but you don't have that much to put around him. If you suddenly got a haul for the number one overall pick, man, that could propel them forward fast.
1: Yeah, so the Texans are 2-12-1. If they win this game, they're 3-12-1. And the Bears, if they lose, it'll be 3-13, and would be in the, in the driver's seat for that number one overall pick. That's what's interesting is there's so many teams in the top 10 who need a quarterback, including the Texans. If the Bears hold the number one pick, they're just having a field day, I think, with uh, fielding calls. And anybody could end up in that number one spot. Whereas if the Texans are the number one team, all right, they get the pick whoever they want. So there's a lot on the line here. The Jags, as a reminder, don't... This game matters not one bit because Week 18 is the one game that's going to determine the AFC South Jags and Titans head-to-head. So the Jags can rest players if they want and just Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much just prepare for that Titans game. The Titans play tonight, obviously, too. They get the extra couple days to prepare for that Jags game in
0: Week 18. Also, part of why our... Like, the... The starting Josh Dobbs as opposed to Malik Willis could actually be, we get two weeks to prepare Malik Willis to play a real game of football as opposed to throwing him out here tonight for no reason and risking. And, well, they're hoping Tannehill's going to come back too. That, I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, so is this, a, is this a benching of Malik Willis? Or a, or a resting? Or a uh, protecting of Malik Willis? Yeah. You get less on tape. No, it's probably protect. I mean, as much as you would rather him have reps at this point in his career, they're probably just trying to keep him healthy, too, right? Mm-hmm. I would think. Unless Dobbs tears it up and he's starting week 18. Who knows? Anyway, is there anything to watch in this game? Probably not.
0: <laughs> not really, no. I've
1: had enough of this game. Yeah. Let's just grind it out. Can we do this? Like, for real. Jacksonville. Right. Taking the Jacks. Oh. So is Harry. Um, I don't even know if Trevor Lawrence is going to keep playing. Who knows who's going to play in this game. Nobody knows. On. Nobody cares. If you tuned in for these games. Sorry for I that one. I mean, well, it's, your, it's your fault. Cardinals at Falcons. The Falcons are favored by three and a half. Desmond Ritter is their quarterback. He's never graded above 55 in his <laughs> NFL career. They're favored by three and a half against Colt
0: McCoy's Cardinals. What are you looking for in this game, Sam? Well, at least it's Colt McCoy's Cardinals, not uh, Trace McSorley's yeah. Cardinals. I see your know You have something interesting to look for. Yeah, Isaiah Simmons, uh, the remember first-round linebacker for Arizona. They've been using him in a kind of weird role recently where he... Because remember, when they drafted him, he was seen as this guy... Just because of his size, he's a linebacker. But what was a sort of matchup problem type of linebacker. But in college, he was really more of a safety than he was a linebacker. He was just a supersized safety. But for some reason, supersized safeties never actually are let play safety in the NFL. It's like... Except Sean Taylor. Yeah. If it's like, wow, this guy's size, he's got to be a linebacker. We've got to move him. Um, so, but Simmons hasn't been good as a linebacker, generally. So they've been kind of using him as this safety-slash-slot weapon that lets them stay almost in base defense, regardless of what the opposing team is doing personnel-wise. And it's been kind of working in interesting way. It's, it's been having some success. Like, I think he's better at that than he is being a conventional linebacker.
1: Yeah, he was like, um, on the broadcast, it looked like he was running stride for stride with Scotty Miller down the field. Yeah. It wasn't exactly true. You, you know, he matched up with them and picked him up halfway through, but he still somewhat matched up. But with they are legitimately
0: putting him in the slot above right. wide receivers uh, based off alignment and not pivoting. Like they're not, you know, they're not switching him out of that assignment just because it's a wide receiver. They're letting him do that. And
1: Simmons has had some key plays as a pass rusher. He's
0: got a, his uh, career
1: high coverage grade. He's still struggling against the run as he has the last couple seasons. But yeah, it's intriguing for a guy that, wasn't exactly the player from uh, the Chargers, yeah. number three. He's not exactly that guy, whereas the player felt like he could legitimately just play five different positions if he, if he wanted to, and you could deploy him in so many different ways. But Simmons did feel like he had this skill set where it's like, you I don't know what you do with a safety linebacker type of skill set, but you can do something with him and, um, and handle opposing tight ends and running backs and matchups and maybe Arizonas. Figuring something out with him, so that's a fun thing to watch. Also, Desmond Ritter's development—can Ritter get a little bit better? Um, again, just like there's always things to be hopeful for, right? There's always some positives coming out of every game. There's been some good, some bad from Desmond Ritter so far through two weeks. They're going to be picking in the top ten as well. So that whole storyline—do that? Are they going to feel good enough with Desmond Ritter over these last couple of weeks that they're going to roll with him next year, or are they going to be in the market like all these other teams? There's Five or six teams picking in the top ten, looking for QBs. So. I
0: think one. So I think the upshot of that is, I suspect you're going to see a lot of uh, Isaiah Simmons covering Drake London on these in-breaking routes over the middle, which will be pretty interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun. Something for all of our viewers to watch, our you know our listeners to watch in this game. Harry's got the Cardinals as uh, three and a half point dogs here. That's where Harry's going. Where okay. are you going?
0: Uh, I am going to go with Atlanta.
1: All right, the Battle of L.A. Nope, not USC and UCLA. It's the Rams and Chargers. Who's home for this game, Sam? The Chargers, right? Chargers are home. Um, that's brutal, man. That's good for, good for the Rams. They had that built-in advantage this year, too. They had the, the extra home game, basically. Chargers favored by 6.5 here. Uh, Rams coming off the 51-point uh, performance against the Broncos last week. Chargers have clinched the playoff spot. Can't really do much else there. It's another game that uh,
0: doesn't mean a whole lot. Mm. Uh, no, it doesn't. doesn't mean a whole lot at all. Uh, but it is a chance for Baker Mayfield to put himself higher up the all-time passing list for the Rams. Um, I saw another list where I think he's now... Is he first or second on the all-time passer rating list for the Rams, ahead of Kurt Warner and ahead of some other just absurdly good quarterback. Baker
1: Mayfield has just an incredible...
0: Amounts a number of uh, NFL records. Yeah, for a guy that's been bad for a lot of his career, he's got a staggering number of very specific records. So
1: he's the passer rating leader in Rams history. He's got the the largest comeback for a quarterback who got on a plane on a Tuesday and played a game on a Thursday. Uh Right, largest comeback.
0: He's the first quarterback to ever execute, I think, a double digit comeback in his first game for two different teams. For two different teams, and he's had the most head coaches. in the first
1: five years of his career he's got seven different head
0: coaches he is the single game completion rate 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 record for the rams again a team that had kurt warner for a big period of their history
1: i'm just saying you start stacking these up if somebody could maybe accumulate those for us into bullet points i'm sure we have some astute listeners who would love to do that we could start hall of fame case building the case i think the case is being built right before our eyes
0: for baker mayfield in the hall of fame because he's got a lot of records I'm just saying if you went in there and you pitched those numbers without any additional context, you could get it. The head coach
1: one goes either way. Sure. But the Rams and the comebacks and all that stuff, Baker's got some he's – got, he's got a good case for well, something. He's got a case, a for, something. case for something. I'll <laughs> say that. How many teams has he played uh, on now? Three? His third team? That's it, right? Yes. Probably be on a fourth team next year. Have an eighth head coach. It's mm. great. All right, who's gonna win this game? Uh, do we have any report on if the Chargers are going to? Oh man, our guy's our guy got concussed the other night. Six and a half points. I'm gonna go with the Rams. To go the player that. concussed himself because he's so explosive.
0: Yeah, he also led with his head. Like I mean, that was. I don't actually think the hit itself was that bad, except that he used his head to do it. It was really hard. Yeah, yeah. but that's why it looked really bad because it was just so insanely hard the hit i mean like he it ended up being helmet contact but only because he drove through the other dude's shoulder it was like he collapsed him like an accordion yeah the chargers
1: could be the seven seed and i guess technically they could move up to the five seed now so i take it back there is a lot to play for here if the chargers can win out and the ravens lose their last two which is possible, right? With, um, with Huntley, a quarterback against the Steelers, and then I think they have the Bengals, right? Yeah, last week. So there is a chance that the Chargers could get up to the five seed at 11 and six. The Ravens could finish 10 and seven. If the Chargers could get up to the five seed, they get to play the AFC South winners. Now you're talking about <laughs> playing the Jags or the Titans. <laughs> okay. Rather than the Chiefs, Bengals, or Bills. Yeah. So there is a lot to play for, for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And the Rams are playing for pride in Baker Mayfield's records.
0: Rams' offensive line has been better. Their performance generally has been better. The Chargers' run defense still stinks. Um, they don't generate a ton of pass rush. I think the Rams' offense still might be okay with Baker. It's a, a under center. Yeah, this could be close. I'll take you L.A. to cover. Where are you going? What do you mean L.A.? They're both L.A. I mean, you typed in L.A.? Yeah, L.A.
1: Rams. Oh, okay. L.A. Chargers. Harry's taking the Chargers to cover the seven. Okay. He knows that number five seed is uh is on the on the line here of course um harry has a very specific prediction for the last game as well the denver broncos at the kansas city chiefs he's absolutely taking the chiefs to cover the 12 and a half okay he also said quote the broncos aren't even going to score end quote wow get blanked yeah shut out predicting a shutout here mm.
0: for the chiefs okay uh we got a new coach bump though for the broncos potentially who's it's, who's the new coach it's the guy that that was it came in to help him um uh, manage games right yeah what's his name again i don't know <laughs> jerry rosberg there you go surprise yeah. come in
1: uh google still answers nathaniel hackett was
0: this a uh was this like a machiavellian game of thrones thing from the inside took him down Rossberg. yeah yeah to get the you know he wanted the big seat you think he called him after week one like hey i'll come do a little uh, no no, no. Game like game that part i think was probably organic right yeah i'll come in and help you but once he was there he saw weakness, right? There was blood in the water, and he's like, you know what? A, a one well placed phone call to this new ownership, I, I could get the throne. And then he is. There there he is. Right.
1: He had some I just caught a couple of his quotes yesterday. He's, you know, one of those head coaches that has been in football forever. Yeah. And he's, you know, like looking around like, I have a big office
0: with windows. Right. But isn't he also and like beforehand, right? When he's looking around going, like this is this is my shot. You know? This is the only shot I'm gonna get. I could yeah. I could I can get this. You think you think that's what it was? I want the corner office right next to Russ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> next second to
0: Russ. best parking spot in the building, you know?
1: Oh man. I think I got the uh, the story behind the Brett Ripon uh he said something to the effect of uh let's pick up Russ or something. And they thought he said something else. Probably like Get him standing up or, you know, keep him, keep him up or something like that. Keep you know, like as in block for him, mm. right? Maybe that's why uh, Dalton Reisner got so upset. A little misunderstanding Dang. on the sideline. Do the Broncos have any chance of upsetting the Chiefs here? They did play really well a couple weeks ago. I mean, they, Mahomes kind of tried to hand them the game. Mahomes threw three interceptions in the last matchup a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, it was also like the worst performance, I think, to that point from Denver's defense. I, I, I'm really curious if Denver's defense kind of the team generally has just given up at this point like last week was such an embarrassment they just tapped out they were like no we're not we're out of here we're not we're at home it's christmas nobody wants to be here we're we're done with this game and the defense just like just gave up completely and to be fair like look they have been getting screwed all season long there's only so much of that you can take before you're just done fighting you know you're like i what's the point the, the offense isn't going to score. If we give up 10 points to Kansas City, the game's already over. Forget about it. So I'm very curious to see if they show up with a vengeance again, and we get to see the Denver defense has been so good over the course of this season, or if like one score, and you can just see heads drop, and they're like, we're out of this. We're, we're checked out of this game. Because at that point, it could get ugly.
1: The Chiefs have not played... Have they played a road... Has Patrick Mahomes played a road playoff game yet?
0: Uh, they he wouldn't have. Right? has not. It's all gone through Kansas City.
1: Correct. So Mahomes has never played in a road playoff game. That's what's at stake here these next couple weeks. The Chiefs have to defeat the Broncos, the Russ, Russ's Broncos, and the Jarrett Stidham-led Raiders over the last couple weeks. And they just need the Bills to lose one game and their best shot of course is this week against the Bengals the Bills would have to lose either against Cincinnati or against the Patriots in week 18 so very doable here and if that gets locked in we never we won't see Mahomes on the road again they'll get the number one seed you save a week and you don't have to go to Buffalo um, don't have to go to Cincinnati if the Chiefs lose a game Bengals win out comes through here man Cincinnati gets the number one seed so it's still in play for the Chiefs Bengals or Bills Bills control their own destiny but they get the hardest game of anybody right playing the Bengals this Mm -hmm. week so Chiefs have it all right in front of them man they could get the number one seed and we never have to see Patrick Mahomes on the road in the playoffs if uh, they take care of business here these next couple weeks and the Bills lose we'll see what happens
0: yeah Um, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs cover though because I think Denver is basically done with this season
1: Yeah, that's why Harry said the
0: Broncos aren't even going to score. Yeah. And uh, see what happens with that. Um, I need to correct the record from earlier in the, the show. I mistakenly remembered that first Minnesota Green Bay game as Jair Alexander not being back yet from injury. That, of course, was the game where he did play. They just didn't let him match up with Justin Jefferson at all. Jefferson oh, that's right. And toasting safeties left, right, and center. Will they have a better answer. And then say. Jair comes out after the game and is kind of a bit mad that he wasn't matched up with Justin Jefferson one-on-one as the number one corner. So they did play him in the first game. He didn't match up with Justin Jefferson. Do they have a different solution this time around, or are we still going to see them deploy Jair Alexander in just a regular way and Justin Jefferson wrecking everybody else in that defense? See, those are good corrections. Who corrected you? Uh, somebody on Twitter, what's his name? Sage Skull. Is that, uh, Rosenfeld? No. Oh. Like the spice? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there are multiple ways of spelling sage. Lamar also out of practice today as well. So.
1: That's the, the latest report here. All right. That's all we got. Anyone have anything else? Any Anybody want to add anything else in the chat? Anything, anything from the floor? Yeah. New business? Any, any new business before we log out here? Go check out yesterday's episode John Amick, it was great. We had a lot of fun. I already checked it out, I was here. Not you, I was telling oh, okay. me. Oh, okay. We had fun yesterday. Alright, that's all we got here. That's week 17, and uh, there's only one more week. Do we have
0: to work week 18 too? Yeah, yeah, huh I believe so. So against the 18 game. The Remember 18 to uh, smash games. the like button on your way out the door. Also, go to the uh, GoFundMe. It's on my pinned tweet at BFF underscore Sam or the description of the podcast. All donations gratefully received and take us one step closer to Steve attempting to play rugby. Looking forward to it. I joke about these
1: other about these games, right? I enjoy. I'm going to watch all of them. We're going to watch all the football this weekend. It's also, be
0: great. Uh, rest in peace, Pellet. Pellet just died. Oh, I think I just
1: I did see that. 82 years old. All right, Pete. Where? How is he the best of all time? Where is he?
0: I mean, it depends how old you are. Like, everybody now is going to tell you Messi, but for a long period of time, everybody would have told this, you Pele. Is this a Jordan-LeBron type of debate? Yeah, I think it's very generational. It was Pele, and then it was maybe Maradona, and now it's Messi. Yeah. I think it's very dependent. You can only have one GOAT here. Right. Sam. But uh, rest in peace. Pele? Well, Pele if you're normal. Pele if you're American. No, it's Pele. Yeah, it's not though. Yeah, because, you no, know, those languages, the E is an A. It's heavy.
1: It's Alright, thanks to everybody for tuning in, we'll see you again Monday morning reviewing all of the Week 17 NFL action.